It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The good news on the recruiting front continues to roll in for BYU as they accept a commitment from Thomas Process out of Arizona. Could that be continued today with another commitment? We'll talk about that. We're also answering your questions on a Thursday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of us who are everydayers with us here out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for checking out your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. This episode is brought to you by the Bird Dogs team over there. Go to birddogs.com slash college. Use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, and they'll throw in a free custom yet a Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right, diving right in on the show today on a Thursday. We're going to get to your questions here in a minute, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about BYU recruiting. Some good news coming yesterday for BYU football with Thomas Process announcing that he has committed to the BYU football program, a product of Basha High School down in Chandler, Arizona. I think this is a pretty solid pickup for BYU. Is he the highest rated athlete? No, absolutely not. He's a mid-three-star athlete for 24-7 sports. I had kind of a whirlwind uh, recruitment from BYU the way I kind of read it, and I guess in terms of actually receiving his offer and then pouncing on it. He is a member of the 2024 recruiting class, but comes out of a very, very high-level program in Arizona. Uh, he has a con- personal connection to Micah Harper, as I understand it. Uh, Micah obviously having prepped uh, at Basha High School as well during his high school days in the Chandler area. Uh, Basha is one of the premier prep uh football programs in uh, Arizona. So this is a high-level athlete, a guy like Thomas Process, and he has announced that he's going to be a BYU Cougar. Uh, 6'2", 190 pounds. Uh, A lot of what I saw from him when I looked up his film kind of struck me as like the classic BYU safeties. I'm not necessarily ready to compare him to anybody perfectly because I saw elements of a let's say Craig Bills out there. I also saw elements of uh, what somebody like uh, Andrew Rich would offer at times, even an Austin Lee at, in different circumstances. But every athlete's their own athlete. And the thing about this is Thomas Process has got great size. 6'2", 190 pounds. Looks absolutely destined to end up at the safety position for BYU. But this is a guy who I think BYU is has unearthed and really thinks that, hey, this guy can come in, develop nicely, and become a back-end piece of our defense. A guy like Jay Hill, who appeared to be one of the primary recruiters, if not the primary recruiter for process, absolutely uh, must have fallen in love with his film. And what I saw on film, I saw a guy who could go up in high-point footballs, not afraid to come up in uh, run defense, but at the same time has enough speed on the back end to not get beat deep. Uh, I think somebody listed that his 100-meter dash was in the low 11-second flat, like 11.07 or something like that. And that's that's plenty fast enough. BYU wants their corners just kind of as a, as a rule of thumb. They want their corners to be able to run sub-11 seconds, and even better if you can get sub-10.5. But nonetheless, 
nonetheless, it's great to have a guy like this who's got plenty of speed, but at the same time, he's not lacking for size on the back end for BYU. The other thing about this is if you look at BYU's safety position right now, uh, looking forward, Raider DeMooney is probably going to be a guy who's a two-deep player this year and ends up becoming a starter for BYU as soon as either Micah, uh, Micah Harper and or Malik Moore move on. Obviously, Moore going into his senior season this year. And then after that, after Raider DeMooney, there are some question marks about who the other safeties will be at BYU. Guys like Chika Ebunoha could absolutely move into that role, but a guy like Thomas Process has absolutely got to be thinking he can come in and compete for playing time right now for the BYU football program. I think this is a pretty solid pickup for BYU. Uh, this is a young man who's going to come in, uh, and he just, like I said, he kind of strikes me as those classic BYU safety types. He comes in ends up bulking up maybe to 205, 210 pounds, and then just comes an absolute force for BYU. And by the way, if, he, if his frame fills out, because he's got he's all of 6'2", it looks like on film, that, that height is not being uh, inflated, at least in my eyes. And if he comes in and he starts to pack on that muscle mass, who's to say he doesn't become like a hybrid Chaz Ayu type of player? That, that That's the thing about this is you could see him end up playing a myriad of different positions for BYU on defense, and you cannot have an, uh, too many of those guys out there to have them on your roster. So I think this is a solid pickup. Comes, like I said, from a high-level program in the state of Arizona. Uh, like Connection to Micah Harper. Obviously, he built a relationship with guys like Jay Drew as, as his coaches. And the nice part is, I think this is a guy who is BYU's picking up on very early. He had offers from the likes of Bowling Green, Central Michigan, Air Force, New Mexico State. So not necessarily high-level offers, all those G5 offers, but he's also receiving interest, according to what I read, from the likes of Arizona, Arizona State, and Stanford. His hometown schools, obviously, in the first two I just mentioned, uh, but this is a guy I think BYU is betting on the upside in a way, and I, I know that at times you can look at the offer list and think okay, well BYU didn't offer this kid or they offered this kid, they're the only Power 5 offer, in this case of Thomas Process. Here's the thing about this. Jay Hill, uh, similar to Aaron Roderick in my eyes, if he evaluates an athlete especially on the defensive side of the football in the backfield, safety, which is what Jay will coach up as the position coach, if he says that this guy can do it I have got full faith that Jay Hill knows what he's talking about. He had so many high-level defensive players during his time at Weber State, even during his time at Utah, that he has got just an ability to, I will sign off on any player that he is willing to offer. And I, I, that goes for Aaron Roderick as well, because I've seen some people asking me, like, what, why do you think that Enoch Watson's the answer, Jake? I'm like, Aaron Roderick signed off on Enoch Watson as a quarterback. I, Aaron Roderick's track record should suggest he knows NFL-caliber quarterback play when he sees it, or at least he's the potential for that. That's the thing about this. I, I'm an armchair analyst at the very best, and I don't even consider, consider myself any good at that. And that's the thing about this is it's just fun to see guys uh, get their opportunity to go out and prove themselves, but at the same time, BYU's coaches are having to prove themselves as well because their lifeblood is bringing in these high-level athletes and having them perform at the level they expect them to. So forgive me if I'm uh, a little too bullish certain at certain times on how guys are evaluated and how some of these BYU coaches seem to go about their business, but the nice part is I think the track record suggests, especially in this case with a guy like Thomas Process and uh, uh, Jay Hill recruiting him, or in the case of Enoch Watson with Aaron Roderick recruiting him, those two coaches to me are above reproach, in, in my mind. They have to, maybe that changes if they start to have some stinkers show up, but so far, so good for them on the recruiting trail, and the history suggests they know what they're looking at. They know what they're evaluating, and I've got no reason to doubt that. Now, if you're watching this late on Wednesday night, I drop these about midnight uh, mountain time, so technically Thursday morning, early Thursday morning, there's an announcement coming this morning. 
That would be from a certain uh, Southern California tight end. Uh, he recently visited BYU on official visit earlier this week, has visited the likes of Texas and Oregon and Utah and Texas A&M. Those were actually his final five. I am fully expecting very, very good news for you Cougar fans out there from that tight end prospect. Shouldn't be hard to put it together, but uh, as soon as that officially becomes official and makes the announcement via social media, I will have some thoughts. I'll have something ready for you guys, so stay tuned for that. But some good news appears to continue to be coming for BYU as the month of June rolls on. It's been a really, really good month for BYU so far on the recruiting trail, and I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. They're going to be welcoming uh, EJ Kamenong uh, on an official visit early next week, the uh, former Washington uh, commit at quarterback. He'll be coming to BYU. Uh, Carson Suesue, who is at Granger High School now, formerly of De La Salle High School, out in Concord, California. He's coming on an official visit late next week. BYU could be picking up on a number of athletes here in the next little bit. I'm fully expecting Maya Louis. Smith to make an announcement at some point this month, maybe or stretching into next month, depending on what he's looking at. So the the hot streak for BYU in June, which is a traditional thing, they've actually traditionally picked up a number of athletes during this period of the year with their summer camps ongoing and the like. I would expect that to continue as they roll throughout the rest of this month. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it is your guys' time to shine. We have uh, obviously been soliciting your guys' questions all week long here on the podcast. We will address as many of them, if not all of them, coming up here momentarily. Now, we're not first on our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. All of us want to look better when we're out there. We want to wear those bulky jeans or bulky, in this case, bulky shorts. The best part is they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And I can I can attest to this. They actually were kind enough to send me two pairs of their bird dog shorts. They do truly make you look good. They fit way better than those regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches to give you that way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement you crave. The best part is they use anti-stink uh, anti sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So get over to birddogs.com slash locked on college today to get your order in now. You'll get a free uh, Bird Dogs style, Yeti style tumbler. Uh, I actually have one right here. They sent me with my order that they sent over to me. All you got to use is use that promo code Locked On College at birddogs.com slash Locked On College for that free Yeti style tumbler with all of your orders. Get over to Bird Dogs. It's a fantastic, fantastic company. Great shorts to boot. And the best part is you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you guys' week is going great, honestly. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, kind of a unique conversation. I'm going to hook up with my good buddy JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. We're going to do a little crossover edition, talk a little Big 12 versus Pac-12 realignment, where things stand, try to read between the lines. This is the June 30th deadline that I've kind of imposed myself uh, that firm on his side of things. 
Or it's going to be a crossover edition between Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. There'll probably be some trash talk in there as well. We'll have some fun with it. So stay tuned for that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, uh, coming up here, uh, let's talk a little bit about your guys' questions you guys had for the podcast. Uh, first question coming in here, we're going to give it to Aggie Fan Dan. This has made me chuckle a little bit. How many other Aggies do you know besides me that followed this show? Frankly, Aggie Fan Dan, Zero. If you, there's another Utah State fan out there who watches this show as religiously as you do, and I know you don't watch necessarily or listen to every episode out there, but the fact that you tune in as much as you do is astounding to me. So uh, if if anybody else is an Aggie out there by uh, background and listens to this show as much as a guy like Aggie Fan Dan does, let us know. We'd love to hear uh, why you guys do because, frankly, I, I, don't, I don't know why sometimes an Aggie Fan Dan listens because I like to crack on Utah State as much as possible. All right. Next one coming in, Royal Blue Saguaro, our good friend the Josh Glenn on Twitter says, Greetings from the surface of the sun. Uh, you're down in Arizona, I understand that. Josh says, What unit, in your opinion, is being the most slept on by our conference mates? Is it the running backs, the O-line, or the linebackers? I feel that some of these dudes aren't getting the respect they deserve, and they're going to surprise come 9:23. obviously when BYU uh, enters Big 12 play officially this season. Uh, of those three, I'd actually say BYU's O-line's being slept on because the way BYU went about retooling the offensive line, in my opinion, I know it's all on paper right now, but BYU's offensive line right now is deeper than at any point, I feel like, since Kalani Sitake took over. And you can think back to some of those offensive lines they've had in recent memory. They've had some very, very effective offensive lines, but the deepest, the most athletic maybe it's ever been, and I think that they've done a fantastic job. There's going to be a fierce competition to be one of the starting offensive linemen. I feel like there are only two guys, and they're the same two guys I would have said before they went about all of their additions via the offseason, that had essentially a locked-in spot on the offensive line starting-wise. Those are obviously Kingsley Suomataia, who's expected to move to left tackle for BYU, and then Connor Pay. I don't care if Connor Pay is playing left guard, center, or right guard, somewhere along the interior of the offensive line, I think he starts. The other three positions, I could make arguments for as many as eight, nine, possibly ten guys who would have a shout to start at one of those positions. It's going to be some very fierce competition for playing time along that offensive front, but uh, the whole adage of iron sharpens iron, it absolutely should hold true. All right, next question coming in. A BYU NLV fan, our good friend Running Reb D. Humes says, how short will the leash on Slovis be considering how many BYU fans don't believe he's the answer at quarterback given his failings at previous stops? Uh, I think the leash is going to be fairly long, if I'm being honest. Uh, and I just, I, I look at it because a guy like Keaton Slovis, he's trying to get it right this year. Now, I, I talked about earlier this week that there was a very, very positive notes coming from Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl. They believe that he was an NFL quarterback last year, despite kind of the, the down season, the down note that he had at uh, Pitt. BYU believes they can get him back to doing what he was doing early on in his USC career. That I, I, I Just talking with people around the BYU football program, They've got that confidence. So, uh, frankly, he'd have to go out and ha- put together an absolutely awful string of play for me to believe that BYU was going to pull the trigger and bench him and insert a guy like Jake Retzloff or one of the other quarterbacks on the roster, frankly. I, I just think that leash can be fairly long this year. I think BYU has every intention, uh, barring him being injured, etc., of him being the guy all year long. All right, uh, next one coming in. JT Kucher, uh, who says this. Jake, what are your thoughts on Ryder Burton? Another quarterback uh, question here. In your opinion, does BYU think he is more of a QB of the future rather than a Ma- uh, Maya Louie Smith or EJ Kamenong if they are able to 
land either of them. Huge fan of the show, one of the many everydayers. Thanks for, for all you do for Cougar Nation. Well, thank you, JT, for the compliment. Uh, Ryder Burton comes to BYU with all kinds of people crowing about how good he is. He played in, uh, in an archaic offense that featured a running back or a running game versus featuring what he could do at quarterback. It was it was eye formations, old school football, like power eye almost uh, type stuff. And that really, uh, I think, had a lot of people thinking that he wasn't necessarily as good as he could be. He showed flashes during spring ball, frankly, that stunned me. I'm not 100% convinced that he's ultimately going to be the guy down the road for BYU, but there are tools there. I, I, I saw glimpses of why Aaron Roderick signed off and never wavered from Ryder Burton when he uh, had him commit to the BYU football program. He also comes with John Beck's blessing. John Beck has worked with Ryder Burton and has signed off on him, and John Beck knows quarterback play because he trains some of the NFL draft's best quarterbacks. He works with top five talents every single year. He knows high-level quarterback play, and he signed off on Ryder Burton. So could he be the future quarterback? Could he be the future guy for BYU? Absolutely. But they are not doing their due diligence. They don't try and bring in a Maya Louiaki-Smith or an EJ Kamenong, if at all possible. I'll actually get into a question here on Maya Louiaki-Smith in, in just a moment, but they, they absolutely need to look at all options on that. But People are really, really high on Ryder Burton. And like I said, I saw small glimpses. Obviously, I didn't see all of spring camp. But there were moments during spring camp when he got out there that I saw him like, Okay, I get it. He's got a real live arm. That's one thing about this. He is skinny as all get out. He needs to pack on some weight in the weight room, and that obviously will come with time. But he has got an ability. He's got a, just an absolute ability to just chuck the football. It, it's awesome to see. They use the, I, I use the term, he's got a hose for, for an arm. He absolutely can sling it all over the field. And we'll see what happens. It's interesting. All right, Josh War, good friend, uh, says, that, are you aware of any potential transfer prospects still on BYU's radar, or do you think that BYU is mostly set at this point? Uh, I think that BYU is fairly comfortable where they stand, but I had a person inside the BYU football program say so they still have a quote-unquote handful of scholarships to work with if they find the right guys in the transfer portal. Uh, at this point, are they going to be impact, game-changing type transfers that be coming in? No, I don't think so. They'd be probably firm depth pieces, guys you're projecting maybe uh, coming with a year of seasoning can become a rotation piece. Those are the type of transfer portal guys you'd be bringing in at this point of the summer, but I don't think necessarily BYU is going out of their way to add people, if that makes sense. Uh, another one, Jake War. Josh and Jake, are you guys related? Uh, Jake War on uh, Twitter says, do you have any depth chart predictions that you're willing to share? That's an interesting one. What depth chart predictions do I have willing to share? Uh, I'll give you one, at least I can think of. Keep an eye on Jake Eichhorn, uh, the transfer from Weber State. Offensive lineman, had a standout season a year ago for Weber State. Do not be surprised. I mean, he may not start day one for BYU, but do not be surprised if Eichhorn ends up holding down a starting spot along the offensive line for BYU. There's a lot of other big names in front of him in terms of guys they brought in via the transfer portal that have got high-level play, like guys like Paul Miley, Ian Fitzgerald, etc. on down the list, uh, Waylon Lapuaho. But do not be surprised if Jake Eichhorn beats the rest, beats, beats all them out. Ends up as a starter at some point this season, and at that point may never relinquish that job. He is that high level of an offensive lineman from people that I trust with their evaluations. We'll see if that holds true uh, one other one I'll give you. Uh, I think that BYU is going to be very uh, happy with a guy like Parker Kingston. Do not be surprised if Parker Kingston has a breakout campaign this year for BYU. They're very high on his ability. I have it on very good authority that he was among the fastest, if not the fastest athlete in pads for BYU in spring camp. And think of some of the guys on that roster. Parker can absolutely blaze a trail. He can run with the best of them. He did it in track and obviously track speed and football speed are two different things. But it, once again, when the, when the 
metrics were kind of laid out there when they tracked uh, miles per hour, that type of stuff in full pads, which is a completely different deal than running on the track. He was among the fastest, if not the fastest player for BYU. Keep an eye on Patrick, uh, I'm not Park, Patrick, Parker Kingston. I, I think he really could uh, make some big noise uh, coming up. All right, uh, YouTube Blue SC Price UTP says, would you like to hear an update on Maya Luaki Smith, his visit and his connection to BYU? The connection to BYU, the way I understand it, is obviously he's got a family who are probably members of the LDS faith. As I understand it, he is not a member of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I could be completely wrong on that, but I, I, th- I think I saw somewhere that he is not a member, but he's got family who are members. The other thing about this is the connections don't necessarily are are out there anymore. The thing about this is guys like Aaron Roderick, they don't care about having to use a family connection to hook a guy in to coming to BYU. They're not afraid to go out there and sell BYU for what it is. Cody Epps, for example, had zero connections, literally zero connections to the BYU football program. Aaron Roderick and companies uh, discovered him, saw that he was being under-recruited at Modern Day High School down there in Southern California, loved him up, and ended up getting him to BYU. That is the type of stuff BYU is aspiring to do. They don't necessarily have to have a super tight connection to the program. They're going to go out and sell BYU for what it is, and I think it's the right way to go about it. You absolutely should be approaching that. Uh, From what I understand, the visit, to answer your question, UT Blue, went very well. BYU is hoping they can land him. Uh, I think that Smith is far and away BYU's top option at the quarterback position right now in the recruiting uh, process, but they don't do not discount guys like EJ Kamenong if Maya Luyaki Smith does opt to go elsewhere. They've, they've got a number of guys that they think they can go out and uh, obviously uh, recruit and hopefully bring in, but it's just that's the thing about this is there, there are so many variables to all of it, but at the same time, I understand uh, that you want to know, okay, how quick can he make a decision? It sounds like he wants to make a decision before his senior season. Could that stretch all the way into August? Absolutely, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, one more question here. Let's see, and then we'll take a we'll take a, some. Actually, I got a few more questions here. Excuse me. All right, uh, Jeff Benware says, Jay, call me out if you think I'm wrong, but I'm optimistic about the future of BYU's front seven going into the next two to four years. Guys like Tyler Batty, Isaiah Moa, John Henry Daly, Cialia Sarah, Harrison Taggart, Kafusi Brothers, and more. Am I getting ahead of myself or no? I don't think you're getting ahead of yourself. The potential is there for BYU's front seven to actually be better than it was. And I will say that I think that BYU's new defensive scheme is going to benefit this front seven moving forward uh, better than the previous front seven did. I'm not saying that the, the scheme was awful last time. I just think that BYU got away from recruiting what they needed to run their previous scheme. The one thing about Jay Hill, and I, I, I've, he's got a track record that suggests this, he will morph and adjust his defense to fit the talent he has out there on the field. He is not a guy who is going to be round peg, square hole, and say, suck it up and deal with it. That's kind of a little bit what happened with last year's recruiting class. So that's the thing about this is I look at what's going on with the BYU defense and the potentials there. So on paper, to answer your question, yeah, the potentials there for BYU's front seven to be very, very good. Obviously, you got to see that prove out in real time, obviously on the football field, that type of stuff. And we'll see. Uh, I could be completely wrong on that. But I think at the same time, that that's kind of the, I guess, if you want to have some optimism, look at that. Look at the look at the paper and look at the scheme that BYU is going to be running. And it seems like, to me, it's a match made in heaven with the new scheme them versus the old scheme with the current talent on the roster. 
Time will tell. It'll be interesting. All right, one other question here. Uh, McGillicuddy says, uh, what are the odds of landing Maia Luiaki-Smith? Can I already can I answer that question? I think it's fairly high. Uh, that's just my personal read. I have not talked to anybody uh, down at BYU about this, but I think there's a fair bit of confidence that BYU, the fact that they got him on an official visit to Provo, they're thinking that there's a chance they could get this kid. And we'll see if it actually pans out that way. That's the thing about this, is recruiting such a screwy thing, and it can change on a dime. Kid he could wake up uh, tomorrow and be like, you know what? I want to do something different. And it changes his completely mind. We'll see what happens. It's just, it's kind of crazy to see how things go. Uh, for example, uh, we talked, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, BYU offered 2026 prospect uh, Dia Smith, I think Dia or Ja Smith, uh, Ja Bell, excuse me. I'm getting all over the place with my names. I apologize for that. Uh, Dia Bell, who is the son of former Utah Jazz guard Raja Bell. The fact that Raja Bell has got a son old enough to be recruited by BYU is just stunning to a kid who who watched Raja Bell uh, play basketball for the Utah Jazz. But that's the thing about this is there, there's just so many things. There's so many unknowns. And this kid's only going to go into his sophomore year uh, down there. He plays at Heritage Academy in, in Florida. Crazy, crazy stuff. And we'll, we'll see what ultimately pans out. But that's the thing about recruiting. It, it, it It's literally almost a day-to-day thing with regards to how things are leaning. So, I can think BYU's confident in landing Maya Luaki-Smith, but the question could be, does tomorrow, does that confidence wane? That's the thing about this. All right. I think I got to all the questions. If I missed any of them, I will get to them as soon as I am humanly possible to. Maybe you'll get a, a personal response from me if I miss one of your questions. But always, I cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast, weighing in with your questions. It's actually a ton of fun uh, to get you guys uh, weighing in and letting me know what you guys think of what's going on with the Cougars. I actually got to pull up one thing here. I'm doing this on my phone on the fly if you're watching this on YouTube. It's uh, real, real, real thrilling stuff. Uh, all right. So, nope. I think we're good there, actually. Uh, yeah. Anyways, all right, so let's uh, we'll move along here. We're going to finish up today's show looking back at what is potentially the worst loss in BYU football history. It came amidst the absolute train wreck that was the 2017 season. I- I've got no doubt that it is among the worst, if not the worst loss in BYU football history, and we'll talk about that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, first a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. They've been working on this for a few months now. Absolutely love this company. Uh, they do it the right way. The best part is if you're looking for your dream home, you're looking for your starter home or literally anything in between, Perry Homes has got the options for you. For more than 50 years, Perry Homes is Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the states. they got communities, home designs, and price points, all of which are designed to fit and help meet your needs. Uh, the best part is they got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties right now, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to get down to Red Rock Country. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. They even have quick move-in homes uh, that are already built right now. If you're available, and ready to move right away. And they're offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well. So get to PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. Uh, It's been a fun show, busy show, but a fun show all the same. All right. 
I'm going to go out on a little bit of a downer note. Uh, BYU, in the midst of the 2017 season, obviously was down on their luck. They were uh, just struggling. They were 3-8 and uh, eight coming home as they welcomed the UMass Minutemen uh, to Provo, Utah. Now, UMass was down on their luck in their own way. Uh, they had some decent players, none bigger than, I think, Andy Isabella, who ended up being com- becoming this uh, starlet uh, in, the, uh, in the NFL uh, by the Arizona Cardinals for a hot minute. He was just an absolute speedster, and uh, he burned BYU on this day for seven receptions and 84 yards, but that's not necessarily the storyline I wanted to talk about here because UMass was just horrendous. They had never won a road game over an FBS opponent since they had moved up to the FBS ranks. That's the football bowl subdivision. The level of football BYU's been competing at for more than 100 years. UMass made the move up in the was it the late 2000s? Officially, they've been FCS power. Uh, they started playing fo- uh, FBS football in 2012. There you go. And never won more than three games, nor had won a road game against a team outside of the Mid-American Conference. Until they did it on November 18th, 2017. Against BYU with a 16-10 win. Absolutely brutal. Brutal loss. They went to halftime. UMass was leading this game 3 to nothing. I was sitting in the press box at Lavelle Edwards Stadium watching just an absolute uh, rock fight unfold. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Uh, BYU ended up losing this game, losing nine, having nine losses for the third time in school history, matching uh, 1949 and 1955. It had been literal 50-plus, no, 60, 70 years since BYU was as bad as they were in the 2017 season. Uh, BYU would have one more regular season game. Obviously, they were not going to a bowl game, but this loss, it being senior day, and the fact that you lost to a team who, like I said, had not won a road game over an FBS opponent in their history as an FBS school. I know there's that UTEP loss in the mid-80s that BYU had their headsets bugged by the UTEP coaches, and that they knew what was coming for BYU. That's considered one of the worst, if not the worst, loss in BYU football history. There's probably a few others I could throw out there, but for my money, having watched this game, literally, this, this UMass game, I was alive for, I was there for, I watched every single second of this football game, covered it top to bottom. For my money, it's absolutely the worst loss in BYU football history. How about how, how's that for a hot take? It was abysmal, uh, and I don't hold anything against against the players for BYU. But the thing about this is Joe Critchlow, twenty-one of forty-five, two hundred and fifty-seven yards, one touchdown, four interceptions. Brutal. BYU's rushing game, which you probably would have relied, you would have thought you would have relied on in this circumstance to get you to lead you to a win. Grand total of 26 carries for 42 yards, a total average of 1.6 yards per carry. Ugh. Uh, Joe Critchlow, seven carries minus 46 yards. He was getting sacked in the back. Just this is these numbers are, are frankly just it's astonishing that BYU could be this bad. But that's the thing about this is that loss. It sunk BYU to just an absolutely low level they had not been at since, what, 1955? Jeez, just brutal stuff. I am going to read this last bit before we go. This comes in from Daniel Rigby. He says, Jake, I should be, I, I, so I believe we should be talking about the UMass game in 2017 coming up here. Yes, we're talking about that, Daniel Rigby. Uh, I just wanted to share a memory. This very well may be the worst loss in BYU history. i raising my hand right here. This is Jay Catch saying it is the worst loss in BYU history. And I was there to see it in person. I was living in Arizona at the time. was up visiting for the Thanksgiving holiday. On a whim, I decided to go to the game with a family member. Showed up about 30 minutes before game time. We were able to purchase tickets at about the 30-yard line on the east side for 15 bucks, which is absolutely bananas. That shows you how low things had gotten in 2017, that the east side tickets, were for that good of a seat, were going for 15 bucks. But nonetheless, I clearly remember watching Joel Critchlow throw a deep pass to 
Mike Matt Bushman right at the goal line. This pass ended up bouncing off of his hands, getting intercepted. I remember this being the moment the game seemed to be over, perhaps the lowest point of BYU football in the last 50 years. You're not wrong, Daniel Rigby, because it was abysmal. And I do remember that pass. Matt Bushman looked like he was going to haul it in and maybe uh, wreck, give BYU some life. Glances off his hands and picked off. It was kind of just the epitome of how abysmal this season was. The good news is BYU had one more game. They were going to treat it as their bowl game. They were making a road trip to Hawaii uh, to finish out the 2017 season, which we will talk about on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, just, But looking back at this game, it's just one of those ones that just it makes your skin crawl because you just look at these numbers and just it's just oh how could you lose this game? That's the thing about this uh, is the BYU should have there's there is nothing on paper that said the BYU should have been as bad as they were that day losing to UMass. Now uh, well, coming up next year, I think we're yeah, in the 2018 season. There's a seven to six loss to Northern Illinois in that mix. That's right there among some pretty ugly losses for BYU. But this one, just the history making aspect of it, the fact that UMass had never won four games before as an FBS football program, had never won a road game against a team outside of the Mid American Conference. Just it was abysmal, abysmal stuff for BYU. And the fact that BYU found a way to lose that game, uh, if if the fate for Ty Demmer had not been sealed before that, it surely sealed his fate after that that loss. All right. Uh, we'll call it good on that On that note. All right. Thanks once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. By the way, if you have losses you think are among the worst, if not the worst for BYU history, send them in. We'd love nothing more than to react to that, and we'll we'll do an episode on it if you guys have good responses on that. A uh, reminder for you as well that we are still doing our giveaway. we got a Jaron Hall signed football as well as the BYU swag. All you got to do to enter to win, uh, we're going to do this all summer long. We're pushing for 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Essentially, show me uh, proof. Email LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Proof that you're subscribed to the show on YouTube and or other podcast providers and you're entered to win. Like I said, there's a, the grand prize. The big prize is a Jaron Hall signed football, but I've got other BYU swag I'm willing to part with as well to hook, you, to hook you guys up if you're willing to support the podcast. So big thank you to all of you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast. Cannot thank you guys enough once again for your support as always of this venture. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.